USA versus Mexico squares off in Phoenix in three weeks. But the country started the border war off with CONCACAF Champions League on Tuesday and Wednesday. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. With me is Ivis Galarsep, who is in sunny L.A. How's it going, buddy? Pretty good, man. I'm looking out my window at my hotel here, and, and it's, like, unbelievably beautiful outside. Unfortunately, I'm trapped inside working uh, all morning. Uh, but hopefully after the show, I'll, I'll be able to hit the town Head up to Hollywood to my favorite place to come eat in L.A., Mario's Peruvian. Uh, check it out if you ever get a chance. Melrose and Vine, quality Peruvian food. And uh, and then I'm going to go head over to Flight Kicks, L.A., check out some sneakers, uh, rounding out the West Coast trip. And it's been an amazing West Coast trip. Seattle, Portland, now L.A. I, I, I was lucky enough to see three really good games. And la- I'll tell you what, last night's game, L.A., Club Tijuana, great, great game. Yeah, man, last night's game looked. I mean, I watched it on TV, but I mean, as far as the social media aspect on Twitter and Instagram and all that stuff, I mean, it looked like a, it looked like a like a very festive affair, Ivis. It it was great. It was great. The atmosphere was, uh, was great. Even and and the thing is, so there's a cap on attendance in home at StubHub Center because uh, when it was built, you know, it's built on the on the college campus, uh, Cal State Dominguez Hills. And part of the deal when it was built was that, you know, they wouldn't have <clears throat> full capacity uh, during the week during the, uh, when school's in session, you know, for uh, parking purposes. So what happens is whenever you get midweek games there, uh, there's a cap on, on how many people can attend. So, you know, pe- people will see the empty seats and think, oh, nobody's coming, nobody's interested. But, uh, in fact, it was a great atmosphere. You had buses of fans come up from Tijuana. And they brought they brought it. They brought the the atmosphere. They brought some great just just they added to the ambiance. And obviously mm-hmm. the Galaxy fans were eager to kind of show like, hey, this is our town. This is our stadium. So it was good back and forth. And and so that happened off the field. And then on the field, you had the same thing. You had both teams really going at it, really going after each other. Uh, it, it was great. It was great to see the back and forth. You know, the first half, the LA LA had the edge. Second half. Tijuana had the edge, and uh, as just a, a casual fan, an impartial fan, it was a great uh, spectacle. Wait, are you staying close to the StubHub Center? Uh, I am now, actually. Oh, nice. I, I love L.A., dude. L.A. is always a good time when I go out there. I always have fun. Gotta go to the, are you not going to the beach? Uh, nah, just coming around, man. Unfortunately not. Uh, yeah, no, I, I couldn't pull it off. Mm, Thanks. All right, well, Ivis, uh, as you just said, let, let's, let's start off with the game that you're at. You know, L.A. Galaxy... Defeat Club Tijuana one to zero. Samuel scores the goal for the LA Galaxy. Ivis uh, Robbie Keane. It did, the touch didn't really go his way, but it worked out for him. And you know, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. I mean, look, LA still has to go down to Mexico, but I mean, great job by LA to start off the first leg with with a victory. Right. I mean, they had to. This is for me. This was the bare minimum. They had to at least get a one uh, one zero or one goal win to have at least a goal advantage going down to Mexico. And honestly, that it's 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 not a great setup for them because one uh, zero is good, but going out to Tijuana, stopping them is not going to be easy. I will mm-hmm. tell you that. So I don't know if it's going to be enough. Uh, I will give LA credit. 
it's only their second uh, competitive game of the year. They got one MLS game under their belt, and they look pretty sharp. I gotta say, for for only having that one game under their belt, I thought they looked really good. I thought I thought you know they they were pretty sharp all around. They they countered and, and Tijuana. They have their they have skill, no doubt about it. They have some quality players in midfield. Um, but LA, I mean, it, when you, if you watch that game and you didn't know anything about teams. You wouldn't have come away saying, oh, well, one team just started playing. One team's got three months under their belt or two months under their belt. Uh, you, what you saw was two pretty evenly matched. Well, the the, the one thing that, that, I, that I found interesting from this game, and actually it's not that interesting, but, I mean, Jurgen Klinsmann was at the game. I mean, he lives in L.A., so, of course, he's going to be there. But for Tijuana, Ivis, I mean, we saw a couple Americans on the field, you know, Greg Garza, Joe Corona, Hercules Gomez came on late. You know, out of those three guys who may possibly get a call-up to that, as we mentioned, that U.S. versus Mexico game in April, I mean, how do the Americans look for Tijuana? Well, I'll tell you what, Joe Corona impressed me. Uh, I thought he looked really good. Uh, you know, he had some really nice passes. Uh, he was involved in the attack pretty well. And uh, for someone who's been out of the mix for the national team, I think it was an absolutely important match for him uh, just because, you know, he's been injured. He has, he, you know, he's missed quite a bit of time. And uh, he's really kind of fallen off the radar. Uh, you know, I did, I did a poll on SBI uh, on a bunch of different uh, positions, uh, positional battles for the national team, and one of them was uh, was for the central midfield, the creative central midfield spot, the backup kind of the Michael Bradley, uh, and who should go and who should be taken. And and uh, were Mix Diskarud, uh, Sasha Kleshin, Ben Philhaber, uh, Luis Gill. Um, and and obviously Joe Corona and and Corona was pretty low on the voting. I mean, people have really forgotten about him. And for me, when he's on his game, if you want to talk about top, like you know, all if you take all those guys at their at their top form, I I, I think Joe Corona's the guy. I think I think he he can be the pick out of that group. And I know some people say, oh wait, did Mixed Discrude? He's he's done he's done really well. He's shown really well. How, how do you overlook him? I'm not overlooking him, but I just think from a creativity standpoint, it's a pretty good battle between those two. I mean, I you know. For those who remember, they were those two were together on the U23 uh, national team when it didn't qualify for the Olympics, uh, and, and they were both starters on that team. And and, and I think at that point, Corona, I thought Corona was ahead of this group. That's, that, I think he still can be. So if Corona can make the most out of these next few months, uh, he's going to have this opportunity. And for me, I think he'll get called up. I think he's going to get called up for the for the Mexico game, and he might even start. So. Let's not forget about Joe Corona. He absolutely is still alive and has a chance for for that World Cup spot. Uh, getting with the other, talking about the other Americans, Edgar Casillo didn't play. Paul, he's he's really in the dumps right now, playing wise. I mean, obviously we saw him have, have a shocker, another shocker for the national team. But his standing with Tijuana is is on shaky ground as well. He's just not on good form. Uh, and the guy who's benefited from that is Greg Garza, another American. And he's a guy who American fans, not many American fans, are familiar with. But he's a quality left back prospect. He's had a few starts in a row now. He's played well, and I tell you what, Wednesday night he played really well for Tijuana. Uh, got up and down, defended well. Uh, he was quality. He was quality. And for me, with the left backs that are in the pool, the options that we've seen, how does this not? How does this guy not get a look? And I know he's only now started to get some regular playing time. If he if if he keeps starting, if he keeps, if he stays in that mm-hmm. uh, Tijuana lineup for the next two weeks, Clinton's uh, got to call him up. Yeah. I think he. Has to because Clinton's been pretty shown he's not that enamored with the left backs in MLS. Uh, so that leaves Demarcus Beasley, that leaves Edgar Castillo. That uh, as far as the guys you can call him for the April friendly, then you have to call in guards, right? I mean, I think yeah, I think you have to call him up, get a closer look at him, see what he what how he looks up close, and give him that opportunity. 
uh, it's the only chance. It's the only chance he's gonna get. So, you know what? I hope I'd like to see that happen. And the last guy, Hercules Gomez, he came on Lee, got a couple, you know, 10, 12 minutes. Not really enough for him to really make his mark. But even with that, he still had some chances. Uh, he had one header that went wide. I mean, he really, for me, if I'm Cesar Farias, uh, Cesar Farias, the coach. Of Tijuana, I may, I'm starting Hercules Gomez in the Champions League because, I mean, the guy's track record speaks for itself. I know he hasn't played that well uh, in in the, in the spring season for them. I know he hasn't been on the best of form, but you have to look. I mean, you can't just ignore history. The guy can play. The guy gets up for these competitions. Mm-hmm. He gets up for MLS teams. He gets up for that competition. Obviously, all the history that's there. So, uh, you know, maybe Farias is, isn't aware of it. Maybe he's ignoring it. Uh, but I tell you what, second leg. I mean, I think you almost have to start Gomez because their forwards did not impress me. Their 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 forwards, uh, they played Fidel Martinez in forward. I like him as a winger, um, uh, and uh, the the other forward didn't really impress me either. So we'll see. We'll see what they do. Uh, but Gomez, obviously, he needs to start getting some more minutes if he's going to have any chance of closing the gap on the other guys in competition for that last for, for those last forward spots. Guys like Eddie Johnson, Wondolowski, mm-hmm. Agudelo. Even Terrence Boyd is in that mix now. You, you you almost can't really call him a lock, even though I think he I think he'll go. But I think it was a little telling that he didn't get a single minute in the Ukraine. Yeah, it, it makes you wonder just where he stands. But Gomez has got to get on the field. I'm sure he knows that. He we talked about that on Tuesday. I had a chance to talk to him, and he, he made it clear. He's like, listen, he knows nothing's guaranteed. Four years ago, he was the guy yep. who you know wasn't part of the qualifying process. Came in late, hot streak. Made the team this time around. He's he was the guy who's a a major part of the qualifying process. Now he could be on the wrong end of that, but he's not giving up yet. I thought he showed some really good flashes in his cameo. And for me, I would love to see him start because he's done it before, man. He's done it, you know, when he was in Santos Laguna. He second. He is not only is he a Concacaf Champions League killer, he is a second leg killer. Like the guy, he just gets it done. So I hope he make. I, uh, it's not that I want Galaxy to lose. I want I want him to get his chance to show us that he still has. Ivis saying that he wants the Galaxy to lose right there without saying it. Uh, also, Greg Garza, Ivis, he's never been uh, capped by the U.S. Men's National Team. Uh, he's been with the U-20s. So, look, I would love to see him caught up because it's not like, as you said, it's not like this left-back situation is set in stone. I mean, you have Demarcus Beasley and Fabian Johnson out there. Edgar Castillo, I, I think that, 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 is, that is a failed experiment. And, and hopefully, Gar- I mean, hopefully all three of these guys get called up to that. I mean, it'd be a great opportunity for them, especially Joe Corona. Uh, they Galaxy though they will now then go down to Mexico. They'll play in the second leg. That'll be on March 18th. Uh, also on Wednesday, Ivis Sporting Kansas City defeated the White Hot Cruz Azul, who are first in Liga MX. And and Ivis, man, this is another great start for an MLS team. You know, getting the victory at home against a Mexican side. Right. I mean, look, Cruz Azul, they've been a powerhouse in the Mexican league all year. So. You can't take anything away from getting a result against those guys. And credit to Kansas City, you know, they, they much like LA, same situation. They got the 1-0 result. Kevin Ellis, first professional goal. Uh, the, probably the guy you least expect to, to, to step up and, and get the goal, a nice goal. <coughs> but you know what? Is that going to be enough to go down to Mexico City? Uh, that's a tough one, man. That's a tough one. And it's going to be a good test. It's gonna, obviously, it's going to be a great test for Kansas City, mm. Sport KC, to see where they are. Uh, but I, you know, I don't know, man. I don't know if that's going to be enough. I, I really don't. I, I think going down to to to, to Cruz Azul Stadium and and dealing with the atmosphere there and dealing with the quality they have in that team, team and didn't show it in the first leg. But I don't. I, I think they. I think their point was to go 
into Kansas City, keep it close to bring it back home. I think Mexican teams kind of have shown a track record of that being kind of the plan. They're 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 always uh, the the higher seed, so they're always hosting the second leg, and it's just so tough to go down there uh, with just a one goal cushion. So it, it, it's not going to be easy. I, I got to say, of the uh, of the, when you want to talk about between them and LA, I like LA's chances better than I like Kansas City's chances. Well, of uh, getting out of the quarter. Well, the, the nice thing is, is I mean, look, you want to hope that both Sporting Kansas City and LA can both win because then they'll meet in the semifinals, and I mean, then you're guaranteed at least one American team in the final, which which would be awesome, obviously. I mean, to have a team finish first in Concacaf Champions League, and yeah, I know there's gonna be some people that are gonna be like, oh, well, you know, some teams don't take it seriously, but hey, to have a team stand on top in the Concacaf Champions League, an MLS side, I mean, that would be outstanding. I mean, hopefully both these teams go down there and win. It'd be great to have a lock for that final game. Right. I mean, that's. You can't even look that far ahead yet, right? I mean, it's the quarterfinals. I mean, we saw it just last year. We had, two, you know, there were two teams in the semis, and then things got really ugly. So you can't even start talking about the sem- the finals or any of that stuff. You have to look at this round, see who survives. And, yeah, obviously it'd be great. It'd be great if it was an all-MLS final, but yeah. we've seen the history. We've seen the track record. It's not going to be easy. Uh, I, I'd say I, I like L.A.'s chances, but but – it's it's going to be tough for for each of those teams. Yeah, I put LA a little bit higher. Uh, also on Tuesday, I'm sorry, Sporting Kansas City goes down to Mexico. That's March 19th on Tuesday. Ivis San Jose Earthquakes do it again. Alan Gordon, I should say, does it again. Scores a goal in the 95th minute. Uh, they do they 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 play to a one one draw with Toluca. Uh, look, San Jose Earthquakes. I don't, I don't know if they're going to win in the second leg, but I mean at least they can take something positive from this game. Ivis being able to get a goal back at home. I mean, you know, it, obviously, you know, it, it kind of played into their whole script. The Goonies never say die. They find a stoppage time goal. Dramatic finish. Everyone's going crazy. But let's be serious, folks. Is a, is San Jose going to go down to Mexico and beat uh, Toluca? I mean, Toluca's playing really well in Liga, in Liga MX. And, and obviously, they, 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 they're going to have to focus on their weekend's match as well. Um, but it, it, you know what? It was a great ending. The fans there got a, a treat. They they got a, a, a side finish, another one. It's what, it's what San Jose does. They they find a way to score late goals. Yep. But but I, I I'd say I, I like their chance. Even though they're the one, you know, I, I like their chances the least. Obviously they 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 only got a draw. They didn't get a win. But it, it, it I'm sorry. I I think they're done. I think they're toast. I think Toluca is going to beat them up in the second leg. Uh, it, it's just you know it's a tough one. And and obviously. You know, San Jose was given the bye week uh, to, to kind of prepare for this game. But I don't know if that was good for them, right? I mean, I think what we saw with KC and especially with LA, getting that game under their belt beforehand was was big for them. I think it was absolutely big for them to, to get them rolling into that first leg. And I think maybe San Jose might have paid the price for not having had that opportunity to have that competitive game, that one MLS game under their belt. And... You know, I think maybe MLS going forward will look at that and say, "Yeah, we can't have <clears throat> we can't have our Concacaf Champions League teams uh, having buys and then having zero games played uh, before they get into the Champions League." And Ivis, before we move over to our next segment, we're going to take a break and hear a word from our sponsors. Do you know me? I'm the guy next door. Wife, child, mortgage. I'm just another face in the crowd. I'm just like you. I'm John Doe. John Doe's killing career criminals. Hero or villain. The punishment no longer fits the crime. Justice or vengeance. You decide. I'm not John Doe. You are. John Doe. Rated R. Starts Friday, March 21st. 
And I was moving over to MLS. Well, actually, not moving over to MLS. St- staying specifically Major League Soccer. Well, kind of. Uh, Orlando City, Ivis, has announced uh, their first homegrown player signing. That is Tommy Redding. He's a player that played for the U-17 team. He was in residency in Bradenton, Florida. And uh, look, he's a central defender, Ivis. Very good. Very, uh, you know, very, very, very intriguing prospect. And, uh, I mean, he's just signed with Orlando City, man. Um, hopefully we'll be seeing him in a couple years playing. Well, look, this, you know, I'm sure people, when they saw this announcement, they were kind of wondering, like, what does this all mean? Like, who, who is this kid? Are they already? They're not in MLS yet. Obviously, MLS is allowing them to do this. Obviously, this kid is a local product for them. And I tell you what, <clears throat> those of you who are not aware, Tommy Redding, quality, quality uh, young defender yep. uh, in the pipeline, one of the, one of the kind of really tough youth national team players. And he's not the first one they've signed. They also signed Tyler Turner, who is another quality uh, d- defender prospect. So, I mean, I tell you what, they could, you could see Tommy Redding, Tyler Turner being the anchors of that defense in a few in a few years. Obviously, year one, I think both those guys are still young. They still have to develop. They still have to get to that point where. They're... I think it, it, it's I think it's really good uh, foresight on their part. It's really good planning for them. They, they want to have a foundation. It's not just about, oh, you know, let's go sign, you know, we're going to go sign Qatar and this and that. Obviously, that's part of the plan. But you also need that foundation. You also need those young players who you can kind of build up and groom on your own and then, and then have them become, uh, you know, key fixtures on your team. For example, yeah, homegrown player, went to college, came back, and now the guys, guys have an outstanding career already. He's off to a great start. So do not underestimate this, folks. Write these names down. Tommy Redding, Tyler Turner, two really good prospects. And, again, it's going to be up to them to, to groom these guys yep. and to get guys ready. It's never a foreign guard, uh, as you know very well. Just because you're good at 16 and 17 mm-hmm. doesn't mean you're going to be good at 23. But, you know, as far as building blocks, as far as young guys that you can kind of build a club around and – get things rolling on that front, that's big for them because it puts their stamp on on that part of things, on player development, and, and lets people know, in that area know that, you know, we're serious about this. It'll help them, you know, you would think it'll help them draw in from that the talent in that area. Well, I, I think you're exactly right on that. I mean, there's been guys over the years, Ivis, countless guys who've been called up to the U-17s, U-18s, U-20s, U-23s, and they never make appearance for the national team. There's a lot of guys who appear for the national team that never played in the youth system. I mean, you're right. It's, it's all about development. I mean, these are young kids. we got to take our time with them. A lot can change. I mean, think about it. When you're 17 to 18, a lot changes in your life. But, but you know, for, for, I've never seen Tommy Redding play. But a few guys that I've spoken to that have played with him and against him say he's an outstanding player. So, for Orlando, man, I mean, this this is this is great for them. Um, moving up the East Coast, Ivis, uh, the New York Red Bulls announced that Mike Pecky signed a contract, well, signed a new contract, excuse me, and clearly New York didn't feel like they were getting enough love, so, you know, they, they, they made the announcement during the Barcelona uh, City game, so. Yeah, that, definitely, that that was uh, unfor- a bit of unfortunate timing, and yes, I had a little fun with it on Twitter, I hope, hope no one got too upset about that, but you know what, it, it, that aside, the timing, the bad timing aside, it, this had to happen, right? I mean, the guy had an amazing first year as head coach, mm-hmm. wins the quarter shield. Guy bleeds red. Uh, he bleeds Red Bull New York. Really, <clears throat> the heart and soul of that organization. So they had to resign him, and it's good to see him get rewarded. But again, it, it, it's better if they have a bad second year, because contract or not, if you if the team falls apart, 
if the team doesn't make the playoffs, the guy's not going to have a job in a year. They're not going to keep him around because they have him, because he has a contract. All that means is it, it, it's going to provide him some security. So as much as what he did last year was amazing and it helped get him this deal, he is not guaranteed anything more than this year because of that, because the expectations are there, because every, all, they are expected to succeed. They're expected to not just make the playoffs. They're expected to make a run. They they need to make a run. They need to get, they need that MLS Cup that's missing from the trophy case, and uh, it's not going to be easy. I'll tell you that. Well, obviously, we've talked about it. I, I mean, I think we're both under the consensus that New York is going to take a step back, and it's it's not going to be an easy season for them, especially with the East. I mean, they're going to have to fight for that playoff spot. Before we get into our week two preview, Ivis, we got to take a look back at week one. Uh, we're going to do this every single week now on the show where, where Ivis and I are going to go through, you know, a few awards, you know, who we thought was player of the week or team of the week or rookie of the week. So the player of the week was actually Nick Ramondo. I, I feel like we can't, we had to choose someone else, Ivis. So I'm going to choose, uh, for me, my player of the week, I'm going to go with Will Bruin, player of the week from week one. Who's your, who, who do you, who are you going to pick? Well, that's a fair one. I mean, I think there were, there, there were a handful of candidates. I thought he was, he was one of, uh, Federico Iguain was one. Uh, Sebastian Fernandez, the new Vancouver player, uh, had, had a quality debut as well. Um, I'm sure I forget, I'm forgetting someone, but Mark, said all that. Mauro Diaz had a, had a good week one. Yeah, he did. Drew, yeah, drew, drew a penalty. <laughs> I still feel like that was a bit of a dive, so it's tough. Nah, I'd have a hard time giving him that one. I'll, I'll give him goal of the week, uh, for the free kick he hit. Yeah, it was nice. Uh, but player of the week has to be, for my money, has to be Nick Ramon. I mean, the guy, I mean, he earned on, I mean, on his own, the guy earned them three points, right? I mean, Will Bruin, not to take anything away, he had an amazing first week, uh, for Houston and my fantasy team. Uh, but let's face it, I think Houston wins is, Houston wins that game, uh, even if he doesn't have a monster, monster game. Nick Ramondo put Riasso like on his shoulders against a pretty, uh, inspired LA team. Nine saves, several highlight reel saves, and then, to cap it off, to cap the amazing night, a penalty kick save at the end. I mean, that's, I mean, you can't draw it up any better. I mean, the guy, I mean, for me, I'm sorry, that, that's, that was his drop the mic moment. Like, yes, this is, uh, I am, I am player of the week. Uh, thank you. Thank you everybody for coming. Uh, so yeah, he's my pick. Uh, I think it's, it's undisputed. I think for me, it would be undisputed. He's the player of the week. Three, two, one. And team of the week for, for week one, Ivis, for me, has to be the Vancouver Whitecaps. I thought they looked outstanding against the New York Red Bulls, even though the Red Bulls were a little lethargic on defense. But for me, Vancouver easily was the best team in week one. Uh, it, it's a, it's a toss-up. I mean, there's a few really good candidates. I think for me, the two – all right, Columbus, impressed, right? But again, D.C., not exactly a great opponent. Uh, they look terrible. Uh, then you have Vancouver and Houston. I think those two teams – uh, for me, like, were the standouts, right? I think Houston, you have to give them some credit. They de- they destroyed a New England team that was pretty highly regarded coming into the season. And and obviously Vancouver beat the Red Bulls, the quarter shield winners, all that. But the Red Bulls were missing Terry Henry, Hamas and Alave, who were huge, huge at, uh, uh, absences for their their lineup. So I I like Vancouver. I thought they were great. Um, I'm going to have to go Houston, though. I, I like – I think Houston uh, – Making that statement, especially when everyone coming into the year, a lot of people were even you know, pegging them not to make the playoffs, myself included. I'll totally, I'll confess to that. I've changed my tune on that. Houston's making the playoffs. How do you bet against them? Dom Kinnear, I should know by now not to bet against Dom Kinnear. 
So I'm not going to bet. I'm not going to bet against Sakania. The guy just knows what he's doing. And if Will Bruin's going to do that, I mean, if he's going to have a big year, and again, in our preview show, I said I could see him being a guy who gets 20 goals if, if he puts it all together. And if he's going to put it all together, then he's exactly – that's what Houston needs. So if, if he's you – know, Houston's going to have a monster year. I think you're exactly right, but I mean, they're going to need guys like Will Bruin to step up throughout the year. Uh, I guess rookie of the week – uh, I mean, you got to go with the guy with the best hair in the league. I mean, Thomas McNamara, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, I think that was a pretty clear, uh, clear, clear pick. It, it, it wasn't exactly a great week for rookies in the sense that you didn't have a ton get playing time. So uh, from that, it's a little disconcerting. Uh, but having said that, uh, some, you know, Eric Miller looked pretty decent in his start for Montreal. Sean O'Coley, uh, great debut for him in Seattle. Coming off the bench makes an impact, <clears throat> helps the game-winning goal. That's a dream start uh, for a homegrown player, hometown kid. Uh, and I had a chance to be there, and it was it was pretty cool just him kind of be interviewed in the locker room. And, and it's like it's a, it's a long way from Wake Forest, right, to to, to being surrounded by reporters and all that. But yes, I agree. Tommy La Flama Blanca McNamara, the pick for Rookie of the Week. And for those of you who don't get that reference. La Flama Blanca refers to Kenny Powers from Eastbound and Down, uh, the HBO comedy show. Uh, who, you know, he's a baseball player with a nice mullet. Uh, it, it's a hilarious show for, for those who haven't seen it or for those who, who uh, you know, were too offended to keep watching it because it's a pretty offensive show. Uh, but, yes, Tommy McNamara looked sharp. He was really active. He got a chance to start. Uh, he got a goal. Yep. And, and it's, just for the, it's not just the goal. They got to play uh, Rookie of the Week. It's, it's the goal. And just how active he was as a rookie. And I'll tell you what, man, Chivas USA, uh, you know, they didn't, they, they, they gave, considering they gave away, <clears throat> essentially gave away their first round pick last year, uh, turning into the number one overall pick, Andre and Andre Blake. I think they, you know, the new regime has recovered nicely by finding a nice second round gem in Tommy Mack. Oh, I think you're exactly right. He also might be related to uh, Robert McNamara. See, I was trying to think of a nickname for him. People probably don't even know who I'm talking about, Robert McNamara. Actually, probably the older people do, but the young people have no idea. Uh, uh, <laughs> I was trying to think of a clever nickname, but you know, even though my last name suggests that I might be clever, I'm not. I was, You're a reach. What? You're, yeah, that was a reach. That was a reach. Well, some, I mean, there's, there's clever people out there. They'll, they'll think of something to tie in with the former Secretary of Defense. Uh, Ivis, week two preview. Big big game this weekend up in Seattle. You, sh- you should have stayed up in the Cascadia region because it's Seattle hosting Toronto FC. We get to see Michael Bradley versus Clint Dempsey. Jermaine Defoe versus Brad Evans. It's going to be an outstanding game. Uh, watching uh, these two uh, these two teams with some big name players go against each other this weekend. Yeah, it's funny you mention that because all I've been uh, all I've been hearing <laughs> since I've been out here is, is why am I not staying for another? You got LA going down to Tijuana. You got Chivas playing uh, Vancouver, and yes, yeah, Seattle, Toronto. So I'm like, man, I kind of I kind of wish I was staying over here uh, for another week. But yeah, that game, Seattle, Toronto FC. We finally get to see. All the new pieces together for Toronto FC. Michael Bradley, Jermaine Defoe, uh, uh, the forward, the the Brazilian forward, Dwayne De Rosario. I mean, is D, I don't know, is De Rosario going to play? I mean, I, again, we have to figure these things out. But it's going to be interesting to see them play. Michael Bradley against Osvaldo Alonso is going to be great to watch. I mean, I can say that right now. That's going to be worth the price of admission. Uh, and Dempsey trying to score on Julio Cesar. Uh, you know that it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun game to watch. I think I think the fact that it's in Seattle and the fact that Seattle has a game under their belt 
it's going to give them the edge in that one. I think I think you have to. I think they're going to be the pick in that one. Yeah, Toronto did not play in Week One. I'll, I'll also go with Seattle on this one too, Ivis. I will agree with you. Uh, another game: Philadelphia hosting New England Revolution. Uh, this is going to be an intriguing game because, I mean, I definitely think we could see Philadelphia and New England competing for a playoff spot throughout the year. I mean, this is a game that we can go back on a few months from now and say, hey, man, the winner of this game really is solidifying their spot over the other team for a playoff race. Uh, Philadelphia looked great in week one, Ivis versus the Portland Timbers. I, I mean, New England did not look good at all on the road. And I, I think Philadelphia at home is going to beat New England Revolution. Yeah, that, you know, that's, that's going to be a good game. Uh, I'm, I'm actually still kind of debating where I'm going to be. Because I can either be in Philly for Philly, New England, or I can be in New York for New York, Colorado. It's kind of a coin toss right now. But I tell you what, it, it, it's a coin toss because Philly looks so good in Portland. I was in Portland for that one, and they look good, man. The newcomers look great. Maidana, Noguera, Marisa Du, that midfield is quality. So you get to see them build against a New England team that has to get off the mat, shake off that yep. performance. And show the quality that people have expected, right? So you have, you know, Diego Fagundes, Lee Wynn, uh, Kellen Rowe. So all these guys, uh, you know, they go on the road. Uh, they're not, they're not really a great road team. Uh, so it's not going to be easy. I like Philadelphia. A rough start here now. Uh, I like Philadelphia to win that one. Just, just the quality that they showed. Uh, I think they're going to translate. And it's not just quality in midfield and the creativity that the new guys brought. I thought the defense was very organized. Uh, which was something you'd love to see if you're a Philly fan defensively. And again, they let up the late goal, which was kind of reminiscent of, of 2013, and, and they gave up so many late goals in 2013. So it was not it was not a pretty ending for them. But I think there, there was so much prom- so much more promising stuff to take away from that first game. So I, I'm going to go Union uh, to to win. Uh, so I'm going to go with a 2-1 Union victory in this one. Uh, 2-1. Oh, I, I'll go with the Union too, but I won't get the score for that one. Uh, Sporting Kansas City. Ivis will be hosting FC Dallas. I mean, I definitely think Sporting Kansas City at home will take care of FC Dallas. I mean, Dallas is not going to have the opportunity to run against. I think we both agree that Sporting Kansas City's defense is going to be much better than, than Montreal's defense. And I don't see uh, Mauro Diaz or Blas Perez running wild. like the, I mean, I guess you could say Mauro Diaz ran wild against Montreal. But uh, I think Sporting Kansas City at home ha- has to get the victory here. I mean, it's unfortunate that they lost against Seattle last week. Same thing. Gave up a late goal in stoppage time. Uh, I mean, Dallas is a good team, Ivis, but I just think that Sporting Kansas City's defense is going to be much better than FC Dallas's uh, offense, and I think Sporting Kansas City will get the win here. I agree. I think they're going to shut down Mauro Diaz and neutralize him. Uh, I think they'll keep uh, they'll keep Blas Perez in check and uh, uh, you know have themselves a one zero win. There could be some tired legs from that midweek Champions League game, so that's something to consider as well. Uh, but I think Peter Ramirez does a good job of, of kind of um, shuffling guys around, and that's the question, right? How much roster, how much lineup shuffling will Peter Ramiz do? Because they have that first leg under the belt. Now they have the second leg looming up. And that's an important game. So will he bench some starters again? Will he rest some starters like he did in the first, uh, like he did in the season opener against, against Seattle? So that's a question, right? And the thing is, I think they have good depth. I think they have some really good depth. So I think they can rest some guys. Uh, ahead of the Cruz Azul game and still have enough to beat FC Dallas. Not to take anything away from Dallas. I like Dallas this year. I think they're going to do well this year. But, you know, winning Kansas City is never easy. And uh, I'm going to have to go sporting KC. Uh, also, uh, Chivas USA will be hosting Vancouver Whitecaps. I, I think Vancouver is, is going to start off the season white hot. Uh, I mean, they're going to face Chivas, who's going to be a little bit more energetic on defense. 
Uh, but but just when you, when you look at Vancouver, Ivis, I mean, what, what's not to like about just the way everything's working out for them? I mean, Sebastian Fernandez looked outstanding. Kenny Miller, Darren Maddox looked great. I mean, if you could do that all year for them, that'd be great. Nigel Rayo Coker looked uh, Coker looked great for them. I, I think Vancouver on the road is going to defeat Chivas at home. Yeah, they, I think that it's a good matchup. But Vancouver, I mean, they look so so good. Uh, I think Chivas USA's defense. There's some question marks there. I, I, I'm not sold on the defense. Uh, being up to par just yet, being a playoff-caliber defense, I think they'll create some chances. But I think their defense is, is vulnerable. I think Vancouver's attack, uh, especially with an inspired Darren Maddox. If Darren Maddox is going to play with that kind of energy like he played in the first week, combining that with the creativity of Fernandez and Morales, I mean, they're going to—they're tough to stop, man. They're going to be tough to stop. I'm going to have to go Whitecaps in this one. And by I'm going to say by at least two goals. Look at that. Amazing how you're agreeing with me on all these picks. Well, you're going first. You're taking all the... And then you're letting me go first. And now you're going to wait later on when it's some tougher games. Then you'll all of a sudden magically let me handle the tough ones. Okay, fine. Uh, fine. Here, handle this one. New York and Colorado. Go ahead. Oh, oh yeah. This one. Oh, yeah. Now, this one you want to let me handle. Hopefully, <laughs> nice to see you, buddy. Uh, <laughs> New York, Colorado. I don't know. I think Colorado, having had a bye week in the first week and now having to travel to New York, it's not ideal. Red Bulls are obviously going to come in really eager to erase the memories of the week one loss. Uh, Terry Henry's back, Bahamas Salave's back, as far as I know. Both those guys are in the lineup. I think they'll beat Colorado. The Rapids have a pretty talented team, some, uh, clearly some good young talent on that. But, uh, the Pablo Mastroeni era, I'm not, I'm not sure how that's gonna go. And I think, if anything, it's gonna be some rough going early on. So I'm gonna have to go, I'm gonna have to go Red Bulls. I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'll go to New York. I'll, I'll go to New York with you on this one, too. I'll 2 nil Red Bulls. 2-0 Red Bulls? All right. Uh, Quickies, Ivis, Houston, Montreal, Houston at home. I, I think they'll take care of business against uh, the visitors from up north. Four words. Will Bruin, hat trick. Okay, that's four words. Uh, <laughs> San Jose, Real Salt Lake, San Jose's at home. Uh, look, I, I think Real Salt Lake on the road is going to defeat San Jose. Uh, hmm, that's a tough one. You're right, of course. I mean, I... Uh, I wouldn't expect you not to pick RSL. That's so stupid. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, yeah, RSL. San Jose makes things tough for people, especially at home. Uh, but I'm going to go RSL. I, I, I just think Nick Romano's on form. Uh, I know that, that, that they're dealing with, but I still. I, you know what? I'm gonna, hmm, San Jose makes things tough, man. I'm going to go draw. I'm going to go draw. In this one, I'm yeah, gonna... I can see like a one-one draw, but I just, yeah, I just don't see RSL giving up a late goal to San Jose, which is, you know, I'm obviously gonna... San Jose's, you know, mo. I'm going to say zero-zero, an ugly zero-zero game, as ugly as a game with RSL can be, because San Jose's going to make it ugly. I'm uh, going to go in, in the final game. Portland's at home taking on Chicago Fire. Portland, I think, will beat Chicago. I'm going to go. I'm going to go four-zero in this one, Ivis. What a shock! The gimme pick. You want to go first? Uh, notice the trend, everybody. Yes, I think everyone's aware of what you're doing. It's okay, Gary. I'll agree with you again. Portland is going to destroy Chicago. I think they're going to destroy them. I think Chicago's defense is, has serious question marks. I think Portland, as much as they, they struggled in the first, in the in the timing, in in, in the final third uh, decision making. But the quality is there. The uh, creativity is there. And, and I think Chicago, as we saw against Chivas, uh, they can, their defense can be unlocked. And, and I think when you think about Dar- I mean, Darlington Nagby, I think for me, this is a game where he's going to put on a show. I think he's going to, he's going to have at least one goal. I think he's going to, ha- you know, set up another. And I think they're going to roll. I think they're going to, uh, him and Valeri, I think are going to have a field day in this one. 
Uh, and I agree. If it's four nil is a pretty good number. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go four nil. And those are all the games from week one. If you're if you're new and listening to the show, Ivis and I after the weekend come back and uh, break down all the games. Uh, break down all the games. Uh, Ivis moving over to the Americans abroad front. Um, some bad news uh, for for Stuart Holdland. Sidelined a couple. Of, he got injured last week, so we we knew it wasn't gonna be good. But he's sidelined. Uh, for six to nine months, it's just really unfortunate. And and at this point, you know, national team hopes probably are looking good. I mean, I, I just want to see him on the field, and and hopefully he can get over this and and get back on the field. It, it's unfortunate. It's a heartbreaker. And but I got to tell you, man, the guy's heart uh, in the face of such adversity is just amazing to to see. I mean, on the same day that this news broke, on the same day it came out that that he was going to be sidelined again for another extended period of time but like fifth sixth time now in the last four years he tweets out the announcement of his engagement to his girlfriend his longtime girlfriend and you know there's the picture of him kissing her and there he's holding the dog and it's just like the guy is so full of life man the yeah. guy's an inspiration and as much as it's a heartbreaker that he keeps having these setbacks and it and it looks more and more like maybe he just will never be the player that he that he was before the injuries and as much as it seems like he just might have to just hang him up at a certain point, this guy does not give up, right? And and that and you have to admire that, and you have to respect it. You have to love it. I mean, the guy—he's he, an inspiration. Just the way he handles these things, you know, like. And Ivis, uh, a lot of U.S. men's national team fans aren't going to be happy about this. It looks like the young Arsenal midfielder. Gideon Zelalem, who could play for the U.S. men's national team, has been called up. Uh, to the uh, German uh, UEFA Euro U17 qualifying team. And if he appears in that competition, he won't be able to play for the U.S. Uh, this guy was a long shot to begin with. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's each is their own. And if he wants to play for Germany, good for him and good luck. Right. I mean, it, it'll be unfortunate if he, if he uh, ends up uh, making that decision. Uh, it'll be unfortunate for the U.S. But, it, it, I mean, it's his life. He can do what he wants. I mean, he, he, it's not like he was born in America and raised here his entire life. He, was, he, he did live here for a really good stretch, and, and you can say that his game developed here, uh, you know, in his, in his formative years. So from that standpoint, it's obviously disappointing uh, when you see the, quality, the skill that he has and, and, and the potential that he has. But, but you know, everyone's got to make their own decision. And, uh, I, I mean, I know Jurgen Klinsmann was trying to get him in, and kind of recruit him and, and kind of just, you know, get him over uh, on Team USA. But, you know, it, it, it's going to be up to Zellin. And who knows? He hasn't, uh, as far as, I mean, I don't know for a fact that, that you know, has he accepted the call up from Germany? Is he going to definitely play for Germany? Has he considered that yet? Because, I mean, he, hopefully he's aware that if he plays in that game, it's going to, it changes things for him. You know, the way it works is, I believe the way it works is if, if once you're affiliated with one national team, uh, then you are no longer able to play for any other national teams that you are not yet a citizen. That's as far as I understand that be the rule. As of right now, he is not a citizen of the United States uh, and not and not otherwise eligible uh, to play for the U.S. So um, you know through you know birth birthright or whatever. So from that standpoint, it, it'll it'll be unfortunate. I know some people are going to be really sad and upset because of the skills that this kid has, but. You know, you can't win them all, and, and, and I think when you look at the, the when you look at the U.S. player pool, uh, the U.S. national team has won far more than they than than they've lost in the past. Yeah. Oh, and we, hey, look, we got Aaron Johansson. We might get Julian Green. So I think we're doing pretty good. I mean, Jermaine Jones was great, and, and before people start looking to Europe, I mean, 
the 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 youth that that American that that we're producing now, there's going to be some good players coming up here in the next couple of years. I mean, look, there was some promise on that U23 team, Ivis. You know, Pechihoya, you know, Cuevas was another good guy, Luis Gill. I mean, there's still a lot of talent for us to choose from, from even from our own country. Right. I mean, yeah, we don't need to get in all everybody, but uh, yes, I mean, there's a lot of talent coming up the ranks on the U20 level, U17 level. Uh, there is some really good talent, some really good skill, some really good skill prospects coming up the ranks. So uh, just from that standpoint, it, it'll be it'll be unfortunate if you lose a guy like Zon, a, a player like Zalem, but it definitely be the end of the world. And before we go into the final segment of the show, we're going to take a break and hear a word from our sponsor right now. Do you know me? I'm the guy next door. Wife, child, mortgage. I'm just another face in the crowd. I'm just like you. I'm John Doe. John Doe's killing career criminals. Hero or villain. The punishment no longer fits the crime. Justice or vengeance. You decide. I'm not John Doe. You are. John Doe. Rated R. Starts Friday, March 21st. And I just, on that note, we have reached the final segment of the show, the SBI Q&A. Send your questions in on Twitter, hashtag AskTheSBIShow. First question comes from Jim. When should we temper our expectations for Brazil, given the current state of the squad? Uh, I, I think that's a fair statement. Um, you know, I, I've been, obviously I've been someone who, who's thought that uh, for some time now that, that um, you know, I think the U.S. is going to get out of the group, even though they're, they're an underdog to do so. But, you know, I, I think he... You're going to need to see some guys start playing better uh, going into this tournament just because it's just going to be tough to expect so many players to just flip a switch and go from struggling, not playing well, to suddenly finding finding form. Next question comes from Matthew. Will Clint Dempsey's next goal be for USA or Seattle? Seattle. Seattle? Yeah, I'll, I'll give him a goal for Seattle in the next two weeks. Yeah, I think he'll score before that April game. Uh this one comes from uh, your boy, Brian Abernathy. Odds that Garrett makes it past midnight for the SBA party in Phoenix. Yes, Brian, I'll make it past midnight. I already have the venue picked out for the SBA party. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be awesome. So, uh, I, we'll, we'll, I'll talk about this as we get closer to that date. I'll, I'll put it to you this way, Brian. He, he, he'll make it past midnight, but I don't know about making it to last call. And as everyone knows, I make it to last call. I'll be there. I don't know, I don't know if G-Clav will be there. Well, last call in Arizona is only 2 a.m., so I can, uh, make, I can make it there. Oh, that's so easy. Come on. Yeah. But it actually goes to 2 a.m. None of this, like, L.A. crap where it's, like, you know, one thirty and they close up the bars. Like, Phoenix actually goes till 2. Because I hate that. All right. We'll see. We'll, see. we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how the after party goes. Where are we having the after party at? My, my place? Yeah. We'll invite uh, you know, we'll a select few people. And uh, we'll have a good time. Uh, that means... <laughs> We'll talk about this when we get closer. Uh, final question comes from Ken Hurt. Should U.S. men's national team be worried about form of Clint Dempsey and Josie Altador, or do you subscribe to my father, Alexi Law's theory, that that form is fallacy? I disagree with that that theory. Uh, I think form, there is something to be said with form. And then with certain players, I think certain players uh, can turn it on. I think certain players can and I've I've said it for a while now. <clears throat> I think Josie Altidore is someone who can, uh, even with the struggles that he's having now, I think he can come into camp uh, and kind of uh, you know get things going again. I think that can happen. Uh, but I but to say that it doesn't mean anything to any players to, to be struggling for a long stretch and then to have to turn it on, 
I, I don't I don't dis- I don't agree with that necessarily. I think it can help you as a player when you're on a roll. I think there's no doubt about that at all. So I think for me, I want like I think Clint, it's going to be important for Clint Dempsey to get things rolling in this in this in, in these next few weeks. Uh, whether or not he gets things rolling doesn't make him a good or bad player. He's a good player regardless. But I think just in terms of confidence, because confidence is a big thing. Confidence is a tangible, uh, uh, and and I think we've seen that with some some players when they're down, they're down. And some and obviously there's some players who they just have the mentality to anything. And even when they're struggling, they'll still put in you know quality efforts and performances. And, and you know what? Dempsey and I still think Dempsey and and Altidore are going to have uh, good World Cups. I think they're going to show well. But I, I, to say that it doesn't matter what they do in these next two months, to say that even if they're terrible these next two months, mm-hmm. it's not going to matter. I disagree with that. Well, Ivis, uh, that wraps up the show, man. We, I got to let you go so you can catch your flight and, and head back to the East Coast. Even though I know you want to stay on the West Coast. Oh, I'm going to take a red eye. The more important thing is me getting out of this hotel room before. Uh, you know, before they come uh, and come and just kick me out. So, but yeah, great times out here in the West Coast. I'll be heading east. I'll be, I'll, I'll be, at, I'll either be in Philly or I'll either be at Red Bull Arena on Saturday. Uh, looking forward to it. Hopefully, it's nice and warm. We're knowing when I get back home because I'm getting spoiled by the nice weather out here in LA. I know, man. It's nice, dude. Nice and sunny. Palm trees everywhere. I mean, think, just imagine yourself living there twenty all all year long. How nice does that sound? Well, see, here's the thing, and I'm, this is going to be the last point I make, and hopefully we can just end the show so I'm going to wrap it up. But what I will say is this. Weather, beautiful weather and all that, palm trees, it's all great. It's all wonderful. But at the same time, it's in, and I'll speak as an East Coast person, um, it's not, it, you need the bad weather to appreciate the good weather. You need the snow. You need the rain to not only toughen you up, but also to make the good weather that much more uh enjoyable that much like you appreciate it more i think i think when you're in la and it's sunny and 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 and, and everything every day i think it's you know you know, you take it for granted and kind of it's easy to kind of just fall into a, a a lull i think and i've and i've you know i've spoken to some people out here who, who are east coasters and they say the same thing it's like you want you need that rain every now and then you need that snow to kind of just just remind you appreciate it when it when the good when it when the times are good I don't subscribe to that theory. I appreciate it every single day. Uh, you got to learn to love it, Ivis. I can help you with that mentality. But, uh, but we, we, can, we can't ramble anyway. We, we, I got to let you go so you can go explore LA and get out of your hotel room. So you have a safe flight, and I'll talk to you, uh, I'll talk to you after week two of Major League Soccer action. Yes, sir. And as always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. Thank you for the comments. Thank you for the reviews on iTunes. Ivis and I will be back on Monday morning recapping week two. This is the SBI Show.